that we need is right here for us. We won't leave without receiving everything that we need from your hand. And we thank you and we bless you for it, Father. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> and praise God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to talk today about casting down reasonings. Casting down reasonings. Because uh, we are in a war to win Christ or to attain Christ. To be uh, Christ-like but not just in behavior, in outward things, but inwardly. And then that inward uh, transformation uh, begins to express itself in outward ways. So and when we talk about <clears throat> the inner workings of the word of God to transform us. The Bible tells us not to be conformed to this world. Every day we have choices to make. Do we conform to the world or do we allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? That word renewing <coughs> reflects a return to a previous perfected state. So we're returning to a previous perfected state. If you can look at the, the world's thoughts in your head as kind of like, say like a rust. You know how rust gets on the outside, attaches itself to the outside of pure metal? Well, that's the way the world's concepts are to us. Underneath there is a, a desire and a propensity and a capacity to house the word of God, to think intelligently and in wisdom like God. It's just all this rust is accumulated on there. And so then the word of God, the Bible says, comes to pierce asunder soul from spirit. It's a discern of the thoughts. So it's like a rust cleaner you know an abrasive that begins to shave the rust and the rusty thoughts off of our souls so that we can be renewed uh, in our minds the spirit of our mind can get alive and active in God's word again so there's a quickening or a, uh, a, a flash of life that comes in your mind you ever uh, sit and think about the word of God and then something just kind of like goes through you there's like a flash you can feel we call it a quickening and that's what it is because it's a new burst of life giving energy that's come through and come through from your spirit to your soul and it begins to uh, renew your mind it, it <clears throat> makes it new again it makes it what it it restores it to its former capacity if you think about the fact that Adam was able to name all of those animals and name them accurately uh, anatomically and, and catalog them by uh, groups and all that kind of stuff uh, those those names began to take on meaning that that he felt when he saw those animals come by him and so uh, if he was able to do that there's a capacity that's dormant in the human being that's shrouded by this soulish worldly stuff it's this rust that's accumulated on over our brains we're born in sin and shaped in a nick we're fashioned in that way and so it doesn't mean that that's the real us it just means that 
from God's original making somehow our souls have been remade to think like the world and that process can be halted stopped and reversed by our meditating on the word of God and allowing that that life of the spirit of God to quicken our minds and shake that rust off and then we make the decision to go on and obey God and obey his word and if you do it consistently it'll be a permanent change See, in God, God wants us changed permanently, and, and you can always tell the cheaters because they'll get real hot for God when they need something, and they cool off when the need's gone. You got me? But God wants us to be transformed people. He wants us to get to the point where we don't have to run to Him for emergencies all the time because those needs are met by our faith. So he wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. And so the sight walkers always get exposed <coughs> at some point. But we want to live by faith. So it says here in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He talks about uh, in verse 3. He says for though we walk in the flesh. We're flesh and blood people here. We do not war after the flesh. Now what's this war thing he's talking about? Well there's going to be a fight to, to conquer the world inside of you. You know, God's over already overcome, but there's a battle that goes on on, in, on the inside of every individual where you have to make a choice as to what you're going to believe, what you're going to walk in, what you're going to speak, how you're going to think, how are you going to conduct yourself. And so it comes as a war because there is a soul life still in your life that has power, that has appeal that has desires connected with it there's a certain appeal that the world always has to people you know I mean there are things in the world that we all desire uh, there are things that we as human beings desire that people in the world desire too they're pretty much just like us but the things that we desire we desire it for a different reason we desire it in a different way <clears throat> with us what we receive is an inheritance and a person who is an heir conducts himself very differently from a person who isn't an heir if you're not an heir that makes you uh, illegitimate and so the world really acts like illegitimate people uh, we is it's a, <coughs> a constant fight it's always in an underhanded way of doing things, scrapping and fighting, uh, not ever being confident, never having enough of certain things, always having to store up more, always having to be concerned about the future. We have no security in our future or in our present if we don't think like heirs, like people who are already entitled to something. And all we have to do is uh, receive the inheritance, walk in obedience to the Father so he can bless us with our inheritance that's really what it is and so your warfare will be to hold on to the mentality that God gave you as an heir and not to trade that in for uh, uh, worldly pleasures and, and uh, 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 emotional things things that don't really have any long term value I think it's a, an exchange of values here you know your value system is different than, than that of a person in the world you're so concerned with pleasing God that's that should be your main focus the father pleasing the father should be your main focus
Once your focus is right, then your inheritance is secured. Yeah. Once your focus is right, then your inheritance is secured. And so if you want to, to talk about this war as being the type of warfare where you have to accept your true identity and who you are and walk in that versus the old way that we all admit that it wasn't the best way for us and it's one that we'll gladly walk away from and so we can walk into this new thing and so walking into the new thing is a challenge it really is it can be a major challenge but we get accustomed to the challenge it's also a warfare where you have to take a stand. This is who I am. This is what I believe. And this is how I'm going to live my life for God. And you make that statement and you stake your claim there and you don't move and you don't waver no matter what happens. If poverty comes, this is who I am. This is, is how I, I stake my claim here as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He has given us all things that pertain to life and to God and I stake my claim on that and I will look to the Father for what I need and not look to man, not look to any other. And so these are the ways that you make this, this warfare then becomes a warfare of thoughts. It becomes a warfare of words. It becomes a warfare of, of, of mentality, a, a mindset. Uh, what's your mind focused on and how do you focus on it? And he says here, <clears throat> Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. So carnal is weak. Mighty, uh, 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 spiritual is strong. Now it'll shock you how many people that are Christians believe the opposite. See, they'll they'll pick up they'll they'll grab a carnal weapon because they think this is going to work and this is going to get the job done, you know. Whereas carnality, which we thought was very powerful in the past, is really weak. Because when spiritual authority and spiritual pressure comes to bear on carnal things, they have to cave in, not the reverse. I don't care who it has been and how much power they have had anywhere in the world. Remember, uh, barely anybody knows this man's name now, but Cesar Chavez? Venezuela, he was a hot item when he came to the UN and called uh, George Bush uh, the devil. Remember Bush got up and, and gave an announcement and left and Chavez came shortly after him. I smell the devil here. I smell his scent. And he just went on and on and on trying to poison the minds of the people. And then a, a year later he got sick with cancer. He had to go to, can't even afford to go. He's a dictator in charge of a very rich, wealthy, oil-rich nation. And he can't even afford decent medical care. He goes to Cuba for his medical care. And people in Cuba are getting in boats rather drown than to stay there and look to that state for anything. Now he's dead. Nobody hardly even remembers who he is, what he was, and what he did. He's totally gone. And see, before he was, uh, you know, uh, uh, threatening us, not going to sell you any oil, not going to do this, get all these other uh, nations on my side against the, the great Satan, the United States, all this nonsense. And he's not even known anymore. And it didn't take long for him to fall. You understand me? 
So anybody who would get saved and pick up carnal weapons again, to me, is just really kind of a lunatic. If you know the Lord and you know better, you better stay with the Lord and not get uh, um, caught up in this reasoning game and this mind game and <clears throat> thinking that carnality is strong and spirituality is weak. Turn your back on the Father. Turn your back on God and His people. Turn your back on the things that you know have worked in your life and, and then you go off someplace else. You've got to win this war. Of casting down reasonings. Because the devil can come to you and give you something that sounds very, very reasonable. And if your carnal mind decides that, you know, you get strong enough in carnality and you decide you're going to go over that way and trust in the flesh again. <clears throat> See, that's the war we're, we're in. We're attempting to win. So he says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not carnal. They are not weak. But they're mighty. Anybody who's tried carnality knows it's weak. Anybody who's tried <clears throat> getting mad at somebody and go tell everybody off and put them in their place and then they'll respect you. Anybody who's that stupid is weak. You got me? And so we have to realize <clears throat> that we walk after the flesh. We don't war after the flesh. It, it'll take some humility. You know, sometimes you have to pass up opportunities to give peace, people a piece of your mind. You have to pass up opportunities to put them in their place. You have to pass up opportunities to try and lord it all over people. You got to take the humble route. You got me? Because your weapons are mighty. When you got mighty weapons, you don't pull them out on everybody. You got me? You you reserve that so because restraint becomes your strength in many cases. That's your that's your greatest strength. The Bible says that a greater is a man who can rule his spirit than one who takes a strong city. You know, it takes great discipline and self-restraint to, to pull it all in. When you know you could get even with somebody or get back at somebody or put them in their place or something like that. It takes great strength to restrain yourself and, and let that be dealt with in the spiritual realm. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty. They're mighty. They're mighty through God, not through the flesh, not through witchcraft, which there's a lot of that floating around now. You know, if we're going to win this war, we're going to have to fight with everything spiritual that is within us. You, you can't afford to start picking up this nonsense. I was... <clears throat> uh, uh, I was uh, watching one of my, you know, my bad people. Baba. <laughs> Turn it off. I'm scared. I said, get out of here. I got to watch this part. This is, <laughs> you know, me and Rachel sharing a television, you know, such as it is. But uh, there was a program on, I forget what it, what it was called, but it was, they do it because there's some of these people that are missing they that's the appeal that's their appeal to people that uh who are yet missing that somebody may have spotted them or something like that but this one was kind of had a different ending to it uh this girl it, it gave the story about this young woman who was a prostitute she would put uh her ads 
I think on the internet some kind of way and, and yeah that kind of thing and, and she had a, a gentleman that would drive her around and so she had a driver I guess driver slash pimp or whoever he was but for protection but she would typically he would drive her to the home where she would be uh, with her client and uh, one night they were this was in Long Island New York and one night they were in this area near a beach and uh, he heard her she got on her cell phone and was screaming he was sitting outside in the driveway at this home she called him on the cell phone screaming they're killing me there's somebody's after me they're trying to kill me trying to kill me so he goes and busts into the house and this guy's just sitting in a corner doesn't know what's going on she's just totally lost her mind so to speak then she called 911 and said you know they're trying to kill me she runs away from the John who she doesn't recognize somehow she runs away from the customer so she's running through this this beachfront neighborhood in Long Island she gets to a, a neighbor's home and bangs on the door and tells him somebody's after me they're trying to kill me I've got to run I've got to run and the uh, John was following her when he saw her going to the home he kinda slowed up but then she ran out of there again the, the gentleman there was calling 911 for her. he described her perfectly same girl and she's still running trying to get away from whomever she thinks it is that's trying to kill her eventually they all lose sight of her and she's missing so they have a missing person she was last sighted running from people that she knew it turns out when they talk to her mother they find out she's bipolar and she has a history of mental illness <clears throat> and off and on takes her medication the mother says well I'm really concerned about her because if she's not taking her medications this is an episode so they decide because it's such a fresh report of a missing person they decide to go searching for her so they get helicopters out they get uh, dogs and a bunch of people out all kinds of different levels of, of um, uh, you know uh, protective services police and army and people like that and they start combing this beach area looking for this girl and she's still missing within two weeks time they found 14 bodies buried in that beach 14 deceased people some of them they were able to identify from past missing persons report half of them still remain unidentified but because they were looking for her they decided to bring cadaver dogs to see if maybe she had died or somebody had killed her something after about 10 days her body washed up from the ocean no uh, no uh, um, foul play an apparent drowning and so they believe that somehow she snapped and had a psychotic episode and imagined all of this and wound up in the the um, ocean and so I'm sitting there looking at this and I thought about it and I was telling Pastor Shirley I said I know God's got going to tell me something about this I said I haven't had a chance to just sit down and let him talk about it and the Lord told me he said you know the Long Island medium the one you're praying for to get off television he says not only her but there's a lot of witchcraft up there he said and this young woman because she is sensitive to voices anyway when she got in that area those voices got magnified on her 
So he said that is a death place up there. That is a place where death spirits congregate because she consistently talks to the dead, she says. She talks to voices. That's where she gets her information to help people. And she, he said these demons are allowed to congregate up there because of the witchcraft that's up there. He says and if people who are sensitive to hearing demonic voices get in an area like this. He said they get bombarded with those voices. He said and not only that but those voices call people there to bury people that have been murdered. And it becomes to be a safe haven for people to dump bodies when they murder them. He said they're drawn by the same voices up there. The same gates of hell. And so we have to be careful folks when we talk about this warfare in our minds and casting down. We got to learn how to cast down. Because if that one young woman had learned to discern voices and cast them down, she never would have been overtaken by that. Except that when you get in an area where the volume's turned up because there's a lot of activity that's permitted there, you'll start to hear voices talking to you. You got me? Now we're protected because of the blood of Jesus. If you hear something, it's because God allows it as long as you're walking in faith and obedience to God. But I'm talking about people who have no protection against this. They're just victims to it. And so we have to understand what this warfare is all about. How powerful these uh, forces are for evil. You got me? You'll see different different areas of, of the earth where, where these types of spirits congregate. You know, you'll see in areas where like in Louisiana, around swamps and stuff like that. People dump bodies in the swamps all the time. Why? Because it's permitted by these demonic forces that protect these areas so that people can do harm to people. They can do violence. They can do murder and dispose of it and get away with it. And the devil gets to use them another time to kill somebody else. You got me? So he says they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So even if something has a strong hold on your mind, the word of God is able to pull that power down if you will wrestle in the right way with it. Amen. And how do we do that? We cast these things down. We throw them down. We don't allow them to reign in our thoughts. We don't allow them. We don't allow the devil's word to have the last word in your mind. You don't let the devil sing you a lullaby and put you to sleep. You go to sleep with the word of God. You go to sleep with the thoughts of God. So when you cast down imaginations, you put them in their proper place. You said, no, I'm not going to think like that. Now, I'm not going to receive that thought, devil. I'm not going to have that. You know, you're not going to get me stirred up with that nonsense. And he says, in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything contrary to God's word. It'll exalt itself. It'll try and magnify itself. It'll try and make itself. It repeats itself over and over and over again. And that's how they exalt themselves. And you bring every thought Every thought in your head has to obey the spirit of Christ. Hmm? And it says in having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You have to have yourself free of the devil's power before you can go try and deliver somebody else. The Bible tells Jesus told Peter when you're strengthened when you're converted you go strengthen your brother. You don't do it without your soul being converted to the right way of thinking. 
other than that, it's just a power struggle. You're just trying to boss somebody around because you think they're weaker than you are. And so we have to have an understanding of what we're doing and how this warfare is waged when the weapons of your warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These things are to be torn down in our minds and we restore it in the renewal of our minds so that we can stand there as heirs and avengers of disobedience. See, when you see the devil attacking somebody else, you can take authority over him because your mind's free of these crazy thoughts. Got me? Can't free somebody else and your mind's all entangled in carnality. So we, you know, you kind of have to pay the price for this kind of power. It's the, the price is winning the warfare of your own soul. You know, understanding, discerning thoughts, you know, especially the subtle, slick ones that come to you, you know, like like with Eve, you know, the Bible says the serpent was the most subtle of animals, talked Eve into disobeying God, subtlety will always do that, talk you into disobedience. So, in Luke 15, that's where we're going to concentrate on a little bit. Because now we know what the job is that we're trying to accomplish. We're accomplishing uh, the renewal of our minds. Getting that spirit of our minds in tune with the word of God. So that we can accept the word of God. And we can operate out of the word of God and get the results of prosperity in the word of God. So, in Luke 15, we have the story about the prodigal again. And 15 and starting in verse 11 goes all the way to the end of the chapter. <clears throat> this certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He divided unto him his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. See, when people have gotten everything that they can get from God. And want to leave with it. To me that's the height of stupidity. Where How are you going to steal from God and use what he's given you. And take it someplace else. You know what I'm saying. But see that's a person who doesn't know who he is. This young man is not thinking like an heir. An heir. Let me tell you what, what happens when you have an inheritance. There's a settling in on you you get settled you're not anxious you're not jumpy you're not nervous you're not there's a there's a peacefulness that comes because there's something that used to be a problem now it's answered for you see it's answered for you and so then as an heir you set about trying to learn as much as you can about your inheritance from the one who's giving it to you. Got me? So the heir knows everything belongs to him. At some point dad won't be here. To do everything and just give me my portion. So I need to stick around here. Because I want to make sure my inheritance lasts. I want to make sure I know how to uh, distribute it. I want to make sure I know how to do all of these things. Because I, And so an astute heir will pay attention to certain things and learn. And then in that way honor the father as the one who is giving and, and bestowing all of that. See the father creates the wealth. 
the air receives it so when you have a, a, a true picture of yourself as an heir, you want the father to hang around as long as he can to help you. You got me? Because you're used to leaning on dad. You're used to trusting dad. You're used to, you know, all those things. That's why the enemy works so hard to divide parents and children from their parents. Because he wants to disconnect that and disinherit the child. Get the child out on his own where he doesn't know how to manage things. He never created any wealth. He doesn't know how to hold on to it. So if he can get you disconnected from the source, the creator of the wealth and creator of what you, the things you need for, for to sustain you, then he ensures your failure. See, you know you're going to fail because you don't know how to manage it. You don't know how to create it. All you know how to do is spend it. And so if you're a true heir, a true heir in their heart understands, I've got to learn some things here. I'll never forget the day my husband, he was sick with cancer and he passed me that note. You know, when I say that note, it's where everything is. We've got this put away here this is in this account that's in that account and, you know and he says not because I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna die but you just need to know because you got me and so that you need to know thing comes in when you're an heir because you need to know for the years he's alive I don't want to know because it's responsibility it's it's this and it's that but at some point you need to know that note needs to get passed to you and you need to pay attention and learn as much as you can because your days of learning might be shorter than you think. And so here the son who's not pleased to dwell in the father's house. See he's disconnected in some way. Doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel a part of things. Doesn't feel it's something there. See. A mentality of lack, not fitting in. Some people don't want to fit in. They're never going to fit in. You know, and we have a lot of people like that in the world today. See, they wind up homeless because they never learn how to fit in, live with anybody. Sometimes they're unfortunate in that they've never had a home that was inviting. Or a home that was... Uh, um, uh, that made them feel important and made them feel like a person and made them feel a part of things. And so we have a lot of disconnected people out there. This is the devil's devil's delight where he can see people who don't ever want to fit in because then he can get them off by themselves and destroy them or help them destroy other people. And so uh, this is something that's a, a, a a very very important thing for a human being for our success because if it weren't God wouldn't provide this for us he provides uh, identity as sons he provides adoption for us so that we all know we're part of God's family if you don't ever get anything straight about the new birth know that God has put you in a family finally a family that's a loving family a family that's accepting of you, a family that can teach you and help you. You know, I see people people come into church, never had a father, and then they get a pastor and want to rebel against him. You got me? Well, God has finally put you into a family. This is something your heart's been longing for. And you better learn how to find your place there and accept what God's done.
you can't go on rebelling against everything all your life you're gonna have to learn to fit in somewhere and so many times the church is where people learn to fit in i don't care if you think they don't love you they don't treat you right they don't they don't they don't they, they, all that you know that should never have higher ascendancy in your thoughts than the fact that god's adopted you you got me you've got to learn how to cast things down to where they're small and make the important things big in your mind you make what's important big to you and the small things you keep them small because see to a carnal person what's important is how they they're so me centered what do they think about me how do they treat me well to the christian we're trying to please god God tells me to love everybody. I'm trying to love this porcupine he sent in here. Huh? Every time you try to hug him, you get punched with a bunch of quills. <laughs> we all started out as the porcupine. Just thank God we've you know we've got a few plucked out and we got a few less quills than we had when we first started. Huh? But you got to learn that you fit in. God's told you you fit in, so you fit in. This can't continue to be an issue. If it continues to be an issue, it's because you haven't done what you're supposed to do and cast down. You got to cast down some things that are exalting themselves over God's word. The Bible says he's made you accepted in the beloved. That means that you have a place in God's bosom and you have a place with his people. This is what it's a horizontal and a vertical relationship. So you have a place in God's heart and you have a place with his people among his people. And you need to just learn how to accept that and take your rightful place and every time the devil pops up in your brain and tries to tell you something is wrong with them you got me and you got to keep issues going with them you got to learn to cast that stuff down we we can't live like that folks because the devil has got so much hell in him just like that young girl you know now she probably been running around that place for years and all of a sudden now she gets in that area where the devil's voices are are loud enough to influence her to go and put herself in a place they just drove her to her death because there's so much death up there and around there this thing talking to dead people is no joke that's not something to play around with it really isn't that's why God forbids it <clears throat> it's because there's nothing to play around with so so here the son is and he took all his inheritance he, he doesn't think he fits in there see that's the real problem and sometimes a, a good parent can try all they can to make that child feel valuable, make them feel worthwhile. But if they decide they're going to hold on to that lie, they'll hold on to that lie. You got me? He said not many days after he gathered all his stuff, took his journey to a far country. You know, you can hear, I'm getting as far away from here as I can. When I get my, I'm taking, uh-uh, I'm not staying around here, this place. Well, the far country is where the devil wants you. See, you think you're going there because that's your choice. That's not your choice. You talk, you think your daddy bossed you around. You wait till you get out here and start trying to live on your own and see how the devil treats you. So the devil gets you far enough away from God and his people so he can destroy you. That's all. That's all he has up his sleeve is he wants to destroy you. 
said he spent all <clears throat> there rose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want or he was hungry or he was in need he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him to the fields to feed swine and he would love to have filled his belly with the husk that the swine eat but nobody gave him anything to eat so he thought he was restricted in his daddy's house but at least he knew he had food there see there's some basics you know about life with God there's some basics so you don't have all your prayers answered so you don't have all the money you thought you were going to get when you start confessing and believing and all that kind of stuff so you don't have all that but you know you're loved you know the father will feed you you know maybe you ran out of money before the week was out but if you get to church you can get a cup of coffee and get a bagel that's one meal for the day you know what I'm saying <laughs> you, you just have to you gotta accept these things folks you gotta understand these things that when God has created a place for you there's a security there there's a purpose there you know, if you get around the saints, somebody's going to say to you, you know, God told me to do something for you. Blah, 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 blah. Let's go shopping. Let's go do whatever, whatever, whatever. People in the world not going to do that for you. They're going to take something from you before they try to give you anything. He says, and when he came to himself. See, that's what casting down. See, he could have done this at home. Should have done this at home. You can come to yourself at home. You can get mad at daddy and be upset and have all this. But just wait, I wait till I get my money. I'm getting out here. And you start thinking, and then the thought dawns on you. You know what? If I get out there, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I'm going to just straighten up here and forgive my daddy and go on back in there and act like somebody with some sense. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's done. That's how you stay holy. That's how you stay in the will of God. That's how you stay healthy in your soul. That's how you cast down imaginations and re uh, get renewed and transformed. You get renewed in the spirit of your mind. You start this, you get so good at it, pretty soon nothing bothers you anymore. You sit up and you think, you say, you know what? I used to be mad for weeks at a time at my father over nothing. That stuff don't even bother. That stuff is so non-important to my life right now. Huh? God dismantles that stronghold. Like takes it apart bit by bit and then scatters the pieces so you can't put them back together anymore the anointing destroys the yoke it destroys that thing that connected them thoughts to you so all this work is not in vain it's a permanent work in your soul see where the mind of Christ springs forth and you can get real answers you can get permanent solutions you can be on a new way of living a new road a new life So he comes to himself, he goes to his father. Father does something very unusual. He restores his inheritance. Hmm? I can remember when God told me <clears throat> I was I was always upset about, you know, if something was broken, especially in the ministry. You know, you get a lot of people. Sometimes people mean well, but they're in a bad mood and start mishandling stuff, throwing it around and destroying it and I would get mad and the Lord told me he said you know what he said I can buy more stuff than they can tear up he said I can buy more things than the devil can tear up 
so I stopped stressing about it. I said, thank you, Jesus. And so I see, you know, if they weren't careful, I said, listen, you tear that up if you want to, but my daddy can buy more stuff than you can tear up. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, Miss Barb. I didn't mean to say, you better pick that up now and start acting right with it. Start taking care of it. Got me? I didn't fall out about people trying to make them pay for things they broke. You got me? You can scatter the flock trying to put them under that kind of pressure. I know they didn't have money to pay for it. You know, people who have money to pay for stuff take care of it. You get it one day. <laughs> you got me? You become a steward and a custodian because you've proven yourself. You know how to care for things. You know how to take care of stuff. You'll never get to be a steward and a custodian if you don't learn how to care for things. That's part of what dominion means. That dominion doesn't mean destroying stuff and tearing it up because you're the boss. It means caring for things because you're responsible for them. God could destroy us in a heartbeat, but he cares for us instead. He don't prove nothing by, by destroying people. Because he goes through great trouble to restore us. You got me? So little brother comes home, he gets restored, etc., etc. His restoration, though, reveals something else in somebody else. Restoration of people in the body of Christ sometimes will reveal things that need to be restored in other people. See, restoration tears down strongholds, whether it's you're restored or somebody else's restored, because it affects the whole body. So when the the wasteful son gets restored, the older brother is ticked off. So he needs some restoration. So God is able to work everything out. He takes care of everybody in the whole situation. Because he's looking at a household. He's looking at a people. He's looking at his family. He wants his family restored. Not just one person or two people. But he wants the whole family restored. So what you need to know about this. The prodigal was trained in his father's house. Your place of training sets you up for your place of reigning. You can't disconnect from your place of training and reign properly. You may leave that place but you don't disconnect. Here's a difference. See you can leave through graduating for instance if your children are finished with the 12th grade they leave but they don't disconnect they've completed everything the dropout is the one who disconnects so disconnect is made by the individual and they want to uh, apart with that place ahead of season out of season ahead of time it's the same thing when your children leave home some of them will leave in a disconnect Got me? Just because they don't know how to stay there. You know, they get nervous about when they're going to get out and all this. You know, kids get all kind of crazy ideas. And they're always trying to prove to somebody that they've grown. You know, that kind of stuff. All this, you know, you tell them while they're at home. Well, if you've grown, pick up after yourself. If you've grown, do this. If you've grown, they never prove themselves at home. 
but magically once they get out of the house all they're supposed to, all this stuff is supposed to somehow come to them they wind up going maybe living with a friend's house a parent doesn't care who they bring in or whatever you know they stay there and they upset the whole house they wind up getting kicked out of there because they don't know they've disconnected See, they didn't stay until their their training was complete so that they can reign when they get to the next place. You want your children, when they leave your home, you want them to be able to, look, to pay their bills on time, get decent credit so they can buy a home, they can buy a car, they can do, they can live. You have a vision for them doing successful living. You don't want them to go out there and flop and get kicked around you got to worry about well they left there now who they stand with now you know you want to make sure they can take care of themselves and that's where this young man's mentality was he he decided to disconnect from his place of training he thought his training was complete or he thought it didn't matter he got the idea in his head I'm grown I can go out and do what I want to do he knew the father he had knowledge of right and wrong as the father decided but somehow thoughts go through his mind that tell him that's not important that tell him he's not going to have to do all of that one I can't wait till I get out of here and I can go do what I want to do the father got to be less of a focus for him and he himself got to be the main focus that's when you know you're on the wrong road you know, it's, when am I going to get what about me when am I going to have this and I'll be glad when I get and I just need this and if I had this I would be happy all this me stuff when you start thinking that way you need to slap yourself real good and say you know what God I've gotten off focus again I need to focus on you or I will be kicked out and disinherited just like he was keep that thought in your head So when you love God or you love the Father, he's got to be your main focus. You draw everything from him. You draw your identity from him. You draw your your sense of comfort from him. You draw everything from him. And I don't care who you are and how grown you are. You're going to need somebody to comfort you. You're going to need somebody to draw counsel from. You're going to need somebody to help you. You're going to need somebody. And so when you stay close to God and God is your focus, you know, God can send you the right people at the right time for everything that you have need of in your life. He can always do that to you. And if you stay planted in his house and around his people, you'll never lack. You never lack for anything. I've had, you know, go into meetings and had people just just in the preaching will say something that, you know, was an answer, some some I've been looking for for a long time. Or somebody will come up to you just in casual conversation and say something that will just change your mood, change your attitude, change everything about you. So when you love God, he must be your main focus. When the Father is your focus, you'll grow in your love for him. So your love increases as you focus on him you don't think it will because you think you got to have some me time but your focus this will grow see those ideas come from the world you hear somebody on television say it it's, it sounds kind of cute to you and you repeat it you know it's not original whatever it is that you love you'll dwell on it 
That'll be the object of your affection. You'll focus on whatever it is that you love. Hmm? You love what you dwell upon and what you dwell upon you love. It feeds itself. Feeds itself. When you love God through his word, you'll focus and dwell upon his word. <clears throat> we grow with God through relationship. You want to grow into the stature of Christ. That's why God is your focus. You want to be more Christ-like. You want to be more appropriate in situations. You want to be more successful in situations. You want to have the right answers when life's issues and problems come up to you. You want to be more like the Father God. So you grow with God through relationship, not religion. Religion is from the flesh. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. Carnality is weakness. We said that. That of the spirit is stronger. It's strength. So God wants us strong. Yes. Many times we th we're in situations where we have to humble ourselves. And we think we're being weakened. But actually you're being strengthened. You're being strengthened in a way that you can't perceive. Yes. You got me? Sometimes we think people don't appreciate us. Because they're not always you know, plying us with words or, or giving you compliments or anything like that. Well, why don't you compliment yourself? You grown, start complimenting yourself. Start telling yourself you did a good job. Start telling yourself you're okay. What's the most important is what you tell yourself. It doesn't matter when, you know, if people, you know, we see these stories all, all the time. The, you know, the entertainer that plays to millions of crowds and when they get in their dressing room, they're all lonely and everything. Well, they never learned how to applaud themselves. They're living off the applause of others. And you can have millions screaming your name and still not receive it. It needs to come from you. You need to quit accusing people of not doing things for you that you need to do for yourself. When God's your reflection, you know you're okay. You know you're okay. You start reflecting on the words, you know you're alright. So, what happens with people though is distraction. You focus on God, you love God, but you're easily distracted. And that's what this young man's problem was. He was in the father's house. He was doing things for the father. But somehow his mind is distracted on what about me? What's gonna, what, when am I going to be able to live my life, etc., etc. So distraction happens when the flesh is appealed to. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. See, we're not in a carnal war, so you don't want your flesh to be appealed to. When we allow our flesh to be the focus, we allow our hearts to be stolen from God, who is our first love. Your heart gets stolen from God just chasing after things. You know, it's appalling how much the church has changed. It used to be the focus was on God, and, and if we got laughed at, we got laughed at. But somehow now we don't want to be laughed at for that anymore. But the world's still laughing at Christians. As much as we try to be like them, they still make fun of us. They make fun of us for trying to be like them. Huh? They're always going to make fun of us. Little by little we're drawn away through our fleshly minds. 
And that mind is filled with reasonings, excuses, and imaginations. So when you, you don't, you're not in your word as much, there's an excuse for that. When you don't focus on God as much, there's an excuse for that. When you're upset with people, there's an excuse for that. Those are reasonings, you got me? So instead of casting down, seeing it as a foreign thought, something that we don't want lodged inside of us and casting it down, we embrace it and start to reason it. See? We start to accept it and give it excuse and place to stay where it is. <clears throat> This The word describes this as a battle and we are to reach up when we get those high ideas. What about me? When am I going to? And they don't trust me and they don't let me do anything and they always question me. They don't think I'm intelligent. They don't think I'm smart. You're supposed to grab that and throw it down and step on it. And humble yourself to God and go on in God's peace instead of letting that thing stay in there and agitate you and get you worked up ruminate on it think on it let it feed you we're to throw those things down and step on them and when we keep them underfoot don't let them rise up again you know well I know it wasn't true that time but it's true this time you understand what I'm saying (laughs) same old thoughts comes up Sometimes you people come to you with the same complaint over and over again, and you say, well, "Now you know what? This is the same thing." Well, no, this is different. Uh-uh, it's the same thing. You came into me the last time. You was wound up about nothing, uh, because it seems so real to people. See, when you live in that carnal world, it seems very real to you. Just like that young lady running away from the imaginary voices that were trying to kill her. She was convinced there was somebody after her. She couldn't even see what was before her in, the, in reality. So these things from the dark side, folks, they have a, the ability to be magnified to the point. That's where God tells. That's why God's word instructs us to cast them down. Now you can't let that thing stay in there and begin to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. <clears throat> so they are to stay underfoot. Not to rise up again. And they'll keep trying to gain entry. Now see this is different. See this time it is real. Somebody is after you. You know what I'm saying? You you got to learn how this is the same stupid devil that's been trying to get me to break fellowship with people in the church for the longest time. He's still trying to get me to do it. You got me? It's what he, he wants to disconnect you from the father. The first, first place he starts it was, is with other believers. You find fault with somebody in the church. Somebody you just can't get along with. You got me? And you find a reason for it. Well, they don't talk right to me. Or they, you know, this is what it is. And it's the same devil, religious devil, in the world where people at your job tell you, what kind of Christian are you? Y'all supposed to be nice. See, when you quit letting them run over you, and quit letting them abuse you and talk to you any kind of way. Well, what kind of Christian are you? You supposed to be nice. Listen, I'm nice to people, but this devil you keep coming to me in. I'm nice to people. Trust me. God helps me to be that way, whether I want to be or not. You got me? And so you get it from religious people in the church. 
immature people who don't know who they are they've got a fractured identity they don't try to get close to God they don't put up as much effort as you do to maintain yourself in the spirit of God and then they want to come to you and accuse you of not being good to them treating them bad then it's coming from them the concourse at the gates of hell See, whenever you get angry, whenever you get in a foul mood, you step out of the spirit of God, not of righteousness. You step your, you put your ears right over into that not noise at the gates of hell, and it starts feeding that stuff again. So the enemy wants you to get offended. Once you're offended, it's like you've got legal right to get stupid. See, you got you got a legal license now to go off on somebody. Even though we know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We'll pick them up in a minute and go to war with somebody. Mm -hmm. But see they think I'm scared of them but I'm going to tell them off. Mm -hmm. All that nonsense. That Jesus paid for you to not have to listen to that. And make it real. Now you're enjoying it. And giving it reason, let it it gives it gives anger, resentment, and all of those forces that steal from your spirit and poison you, poison your soul, and poison your life. It gives them license to hang around. So we're to cast those thoughts down and step on them, leave them under your feet. These imaginations are what grip the mind of this young man. See, you they they'll grip your mind. In the hopes that they can get you to move on what they're telling you. See. I think it's best to cast them down and keep them out of your mind. Because they they represent a snare and a trap. And you don't know when that trap's going to be sprung. Now you can probably get along and govern yourself pretty good in certain situations. But the devil's going to get some kind of sneak attack or surprise attack on you. To flip you over in that so you lose it all. Hmm? Lose your temper in front of somebody. Tell somebody off or get mad or threaten somebody. That kind of nonsense. You got me? And so he's looking all the time. And see it happens because of offenses that we nurture and we harbor and we nurse them because I'm right and they're wrong. Hmm? They're wrong for doing this. They're wrong for this. And it gets to be a religious judgment thing. Where you're the judge, jury, and executioner. Because you want to put somebody to death for doing something very simple and human. Because it happened against you. Now, you know, we got to throw the law at them. So. so these imaginations are what gripped the mind of this young man. Caused him to disconnect from his inheritance. He didn't see his father as a source of anything anymore it's okay because you know the father's all bad you know everything here is all bad it's nothing good here anymore whereas that used to be a place where you felt love where you were nurtured and you all this kind of stuff you know how is it that people that you love are automatic all, all of a sudden enemies you got me see there's something wrong in that head of that person way back when they started cast should have been casting it down when it was a small thought 
they let it grow they gave it excuse they gave it place and then all of a sudden circumstances now are set up where it seems reasonable to disconnect see and that's what happens that's what that's how prodigals get cut loose from the father's care they get cut loose from the father's house they get cut loose from the father's provision they disinherit themselves they disinherit themselves so the father was no longer esteemed and the center of this young man's focus but he was now focused on himself as the center of his world so the offense comes and the reasoning starts now what was this young man offended about he was offended over money might have gone to dad in the past say dad give me a little extra no 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 we you don't need that now I mean, you know the dad's trying to teach him how to manage things and he's mad about it because that's the first thing he asked for what he said in verse 12 first thing out of his mouth verse verse 11 a man had two sons verse 12 give me my money huh give me what belongs to me I want it now you're too stingy I can never get enough to live off and do what I want to do around here see poverty will make your kids mean just out and out poverty growing growing up in poverty you got me it, it tends to make people desperate but then if there's plenty and they're restricted they can think of themselves as impoverished too. You got me? Yes. See the poverty mindset doesn't have to be because there's real poverty. This kid had everything he needed. Apparently the father's wealthy. He's got an inheritance for him because it, he gave him more when he came back. It's like my daddy got so much money I can squander it all and come back and get some more. So the money was never the issue with the father. Money's never the issue with God. Things are never the issue with God. What's that issue with God is what's on the inside of us. It's always our hearts. It's always our attitude. It's always how much we're going to uh, think about it. How much value we're going to. We're going to value the Father and His love and what He wants to teach us about who we are. And make us true heirs. People of dignity in this earth. People who don't have to imitate the world and try to be like the world in order to feel good about themselves. So this young man's offended about money, folks. That's his issue. It's his thing. Daddy don't give me enough money. My parents don't make enough money. They always, you know... <clears throat> I remember going over visiting a family uh, and they, they had a teenage son and he had a there was pictures of the kids on the mantle and he was there I said oh hi your name is so and so your mom told me and I recognize you from your photo up here yeah and that cheap shirt they put me in for the school picture <laughs> so well that went over big but you see what I'm saying just small things like that. This kid remembers it and it's festering in there. Now what? I want to slap him. I want to say, at least you got on a shirt. You know what I'm saying? I was like, hey, but he wasn't my kid, you know. So, but those that's what I'm saying. Small things like that can get in there and fester. 
that's why the Bible says cast them all down. Everything that's against God's word, cast it all down. All these imaginations. Every thought that exalts itself. High thoughts. Get them out of there. They don't have any place in the mind of a child of God. Because they have the capacity to grow. And get bigger. And, and, and present a snare to you. And get your foot snared in there. And entangle you so that you cannot get out. You got me? Small things turn into big things. And they can consume your life. So, so <clears throat> these things are, are, are not real. They're just imaginations. And, it, you know, imagination can be a good thing if it's creative and God's got a hold of it and it produces. But these things destroy. So destructive imaginations, you cast them, uh, cast them down. So these things, so the mechanism the enemy uses is offense and reasonings. These things are always imaginary and not real. What gives them strength and power is your meditation. Is how you consider them. It's best not to consider them at all but cast them down and don't even think about it. You know somebody can say something to you and your mind will say well they just don't like you. And, I, and you know what you need to say to yourself? Well that's pretty cool because I don't like them either. But I'm going to learn how to love them in Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? There's a wise answer. There's a righteous answer. Once that, that thought filters through righteousness, it'll come out with no power. But if you let it hit something in you that, that gives it strength and gives it power and starts it to, to, if you start reasoning that thing, well, yeah, you know, because every time, and this is where it gets, every time I come in here, they, they, you know, every time, like you've been keeping a file or keeping notes. You didn't keep notes. The devil keeps notes. And you just locked into the gates of hell again in their conversation where they want to pick it up, make it bigger than what it is, want to make it bigger than the word of God, make it stronger than what it's supposed to be. When these things are not real. What makes them real is what you add to it. You add the life. You add the reality. And so reasoning tends to make it more real to the carnal, to the carnal man. If you can have a good reason, if you can put some string, some things together and let them add up to you, then that's what makes it real. So we know that they're not real. Because many times they have a, a, a negative outcome in a person's life. See, you can tell what is of God lasts forever. There's life to it. There's substance and there's strength. What the devil does causes destruction. So you can tell by the fruit of the thoughts where they're going to take you. Thinking somebody doesn't like you or somebody doesn't love you is not going to do anything to build up anything for anybody. But we like to hold on to that because somehow it makes us feel important or it gives us something else to think about besides thinking about what God put us here to think about. You know, just a, it's, a, it's a diversion, it's a detour, it's a distraction, and it's a snare. These thoughts are, are not human thoughts in a normal sense. Nobody carries around 
that much negativity on the inside of them on purpose. See that gets put there. That's a deposit that's put there by the enemy. And if he can get you to dwell on it and focus on it, then he makes it seem real to you because of the amount of attention you give it. See, you give it enough attention to give it some kind of stature on the inside of you. So these things are not of, of a normal human mind. They're demonic. They're destructive. They, they will lead to destruction. You got me? They'll lead to more destruction. You don't like the thoughts. But you embrace them anyhow because there's something inside of you that makes it, that lets it find a home in there. See? It finds a home in there. And so it settles in and you begin to nurture and you feed it and it begins to reason you. The only thing, the thing what we need to do when we have errant thoughts like that is to cast them down. And if, if it's, it comes from a real, say somebody says something to you that's not kind. You ever said something to somebody that's not kind? Okay, so they're just like you. Don't make them into a monster. Don't make them into an animal. Don't make them into the worst person in the world. Because in reality, they are just like you. They're just like you. And if you don't believe that's true, God will prove it to you one day. See, because he can't deny himself. Whatever's true, he will prove it to you one day. When you least suspect it, something will jump out of you that you didn't even know was there. Huh? When you least want it to, in front of the wrong person that signs your paycheck, and you wish you could get them words back in a hurry. You got me? So let us not get too far over into the land of self-righteousness. You got me? And condemning other people for their behavior that is simply human. Just like everybody else. God will put people in your life that are, are difficult to love to prove to you that you're saved. He can't deny himself. If you're a new creature, you're going to find out you're a new creature. You need to find out if you're a new creature or not. These thoughts make you not yourself. You kind of get beside yourself. Just like this young man did. Here's something inside of him that's not taking over his life. And he used to be an obedient kid. Did you ever have stories like that? You know, uh, uh, Ted Bundy grew up in a Christian home. And his parents took him to church all the time. He's a serial killer. You know, how'd that happen? Go figure. huh? But something inside of him made him not himself. He made him not himself and took over. So these thoughts will make you not yourself if they're nurtured. The best thing that you can happen to you is that you come to yourself. When you come to yourself like he did. It says here in verse 17. I think it is. When he came to himself. He got out there. He thought he was living the life. You know he was kicking it with all his peeps. And you know all this kind of stuff. And taking as many drugs as he wants. Sleeping with as many women as he wanted to. And all that kind of stuff. And woke up one morning. All the money was gone. And nobody would feed him. And the people that gave him a job didn't feed him. They just made him work for nothing. It's a thought, folks, when you hook up with the devil. You think you're, you're getting over. You're working for nothing. Because you don't have an inheritance out there in the world anymore. Your inheritance is in the Father's house. So you're going to work for nothing. 
I don't care if they pay you. You'll have barely enough to get along because you're out there with worldly thoughts, worldly mind, trying to live in the world where you do not belong. If you don't have an inheritance out there, you don't have an inheritance out there. I look at preachers that used to be in charge of mega churches now. Some of them not even preaching anymore. Just going back to almost living on welfare. Stuff like that. Why? They took it. They took what God gave them and tried to merchandise it. And make, make it worldly. You know. Too much of the world infused in it. You're not going to hold on to it. It'll be gone from you. Carlton Pearson can barely survive. Got a little teeny church of crazy people. That they were so in love with him they refused to let go of that wicked spirit that caused him to be errant. Whereas he had the largest interracial church in the nation at one time. He had all kind of good people coming through. Good ministry, excellent ministry, good people. Those people would love God and they submitted to him and worked through him to serve God. But offense, errant thoughts, nurturing errant thoughts disobedience in your heart and your mind it catches up with you after a while see this is a this is a kind of covenant a blood covenant is something that you keep within your heart between you and the giver of the covenant when God sees that you're not doing the right thing on the inside you can try to hide it from as many people as you want to but it'll still tell on you and we have to be careful about these reasonings. It's make it sound reasonable. Well, you know, so and so, they they start treating me funny, and that you can tell because you start it starts gaining momentum. When you get your foot in the trap, the thoughts accelerate and they begin to gain momentum. And so the offense then, <clears throat> when the offense comes, the haters at the gate begin to whisper to us. And they get us to be angry without a cause. Or if there is a cause, they get you to be unforgiving. Remember that? Forgiveness. If somebody offends you, you're to forgive them immediately. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Which means do it right away. Because by sundown you forget. And you wake up mad with them the next day. You can't do that as a Christian. You can't afford to you can't afford to have certain a list of people, certain lists naughty and nice. You ain't Santa Claus and you're not God. You got me? You don't have anything to give to anybody. Amen. You know, we sit and keep these files on people like we really in charge of something that can help or hurt somebody. Like our little forgiveness or unforgiveness is gonna make their life. Are you kidding me? better get yourself together you know I mean this is it's pathetic sometimes and it's all because of a poor image that we have we've never embraced our inheritance in God if we embrace everything that God says we are if you embrace the basics of what God says you are this year you're adopting your son of God that ought to take you miles in life it ought to be a long time before you think about doing anything against the word of God. Offense always represents a trap or a snare. Yes. The prodigal son source of offense was money. We said that. And having control over it. He felt like the father controlled what was his. So he lived a me-centered existence. Whenever you live for self the love of the father leaves you very quickly you'll turn on the father you'll turn on his people you turn on everybody so offense is always a snare and a trap
That's why God tells us to let go of offenses. Forgive offenses. Forgive people. Let them go free. Don't bind them and they won't bind you. You got me? The snare and the trap is set by the voices at the gates of hell. They start telling you how to interpret what went on instead of forgiving like God told you to do. Just like he did Eve. Hath God really said that, you know, if you, if God's really concerned because he said in the day that you do that, you're going to be like him. You're going to know good and evil. Well, she was already like him. But listening to the devil, she forgot who she was. See, you see the prodigal young man was not himself. Somehow those voices convinced him of something that was not himself. Because the Bible says he came to himself. So when he left that house he was not himself and his father knew it. That's why the father was willing to forgive him and reinstate him. He said this is my son. This is my son came back. That boy that left here was not my son. I don't know who that was that took him over but he left here not himself. If he had come back in the same way begging for more money, the father wouldn't have given him nothing. But he came back as his son. Very important. Very important how you think of yourself. It's very important how you hold on to what God's given you. When you can hold on in the face of uh, offense and, and ridicule and all kinds of things, that pleases God. That's something to reward you for. You got me? You know, we got a church of people now, they don't, they don't hold on to anything. Don't have an identity and, and will lead a bunch of people down the same rotten road they go down. Fragmented identity. Talking about money all the time and God wants you wealthy and God wants you rich. No matter how you live. We, we've got to stop this folks. We've got to understand where this stuff comes from. And cast these things down. See, if people would cast this stuff down when it first attacks their mind in a small thing, they wouldn't wind up in a pulpit trying to preach it to people. You got me? It would be cast down as something small when it first comes. No, this doesn't line up with the word of God. This is a benefit of the covenant, but this is not the gospel. You got me? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel, you need the gospel to save you from the devil's snare. You need the word of God to save you from the, the prowler. And to save you from the person that wants to, to kidnap your child. And to save you from the kids at school that want to bully your children and beat them up. You need the gospel to save you, folks. There's a lot of hell around here to be saved for. You know, once you get into salvation and understand the process, God will start to prosper you. He's not opposed to you having things. But you that's not what you need right now. You need a savior. You need a deliverer. You need a counselor. You need somebody to give you peace. You need somebody to help you get through the rest of the week. Huh? You need inner things. You don't need more outer things. You pile up a lot of outer things on top of, of a fractured inner soul and you get soul damage. That's what happens to people. Too much outside and too much paying attention to it. Your attention gets off of God and it gets on to things and they'll wreck you. Now if you can have things and let God be your central focus, fine. 
But people who really love God aren't really concerned about things. They're more concerned about what's that going to do to my schedule? What's that going to do to my life? And what's that, you know, how, how much, how often do I have to feed it? How much do I have to take care of it? And how, when do I have to buy it clothes? And so we, we really have to keep our focus right, folks. It's, it's about who you love. What's in your heart? Can you, can you not be distracted and be pulled away from the love of God? Can you not be distracted? Is your love of him strong enough to keep you focused on him and him alone? So that you don't get ensnared. And you don't let it be a money issue between you and God. And you don't allow it to be something that will tear you away from God and cause you to lose your inheritance. So why don't we stop? We'll finish up next week. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding and for knowledge, Lord. Knowledge of how we can cast down these reasonings, Father. They seem so real to us from time to time. We know, Father, that you're a God who reasons with us, but we're not talking about that. Reasonings from hell, we want to get rid of those. So help us, God, to stay focused on you, what you provided for us, and your great love for us. And we honor you and appreciate and love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you.